We're here tonight with uh, Tommy Simbazo, Baltimore City uh, improv comedian. Tommy, how you doing? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. So we're here tonight on Public Interest Podcast, and we're going to do a behind the scenes on improv comedy. Okay. So you you you've done you've done you do a lot of shows mm-hmm. daytime. Uh, working on subdivision. Yeah, yeah. I'm a CAD designer. Which yeah, it's pretty funny, though. Yeah. Is it? It's kind no. of not funny. Well, at all. No, because like, <laughs> you get you get exposed to the whole office environment, uh-huh. like during the day. Because I used to be, work out in the field. I mm-hmm. was a surveyor, mm-hmm. and uh, in the field you can say whatever you want, but in yeah. the office there's a different type of humor, and I haven't mastered office humor yet. How did you even get into this whole comedy business? Uh, I've always when I was. In first grade, yeah. the teacher asked all the students, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? And I love dinosaurs. But I couldn't spell paleontologist. Uh, well, you were five. Yeah. So <laughs> I wrote, I wrote <laughs> how did you even know what paleontologist was? Oh, because I love dinosaurs. So you ever I knew Jurassic Park? Yeah. Well, yeah. You were like, I want to be that guy. Well, no. That, Jurassic Park came out when I was in high school. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but when I was a kid, I loved dinosaurs, loved reading about them, but, and I knew paleontologists, but I couldn't spell it. Okay. So, uh, yeah, ended up just wrote comic in. Comic. And uh, I've always wanted to be a, and so since then I want to be a stand-up comic. It's pretty awesome. Remaining true to your five-year-old kindergarten yes, self. Yes, I'd be very proud of myself. I also like dinosaurs when I was in kindergarten. Well, you could probably be a good comedian. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we have been interviewing politicians, activists, advocates, and others since 2016 with the intention of ennobling public service, creating a platform for positive civil discourse, and facilitating dialogue with difference. This show is the antidote for those who are tired of hearing about what's going wrong with the world. We showcase people just like you who are working to leave the world better than they found it. And that's good news. And now a word from former President John F. Kennedy with his views on public service. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. I'll remind you that this show is made possible by viewers like you. If you appreciate what we're doing here at Public Interest Podcast and enjoy this episode, please contribute $1 at publicinterestpodcast.com. And to express our gratitude, we offer a few freebies to our supporters. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So, so like, uh, I'm sure you got you have a lot of material. You, so, you tell me, so how do you even work with like working through the the material? Well, let's start with this way: it's public interest podcast. Yeah. So you know, comedy makes people laugh. Yes. Improves people's day yeah. at least for an evening. Yeah. But tell me about that. Okay. Well, comedy. Comedy's about life. At least my comedy comes from... I have to experience it to make a joke about it. Like, they tell writers, write what you know. Comedians should tell jokes about things they know about. Right, so a lot of your jokes are probably dinosaur-focused. Yeah, I am the East Coast's largest (laughs) dinosaur comedian. (laughs) Uh, But no, so I do do jokes about... um, You know, I've I've been with my fiancé now for 12 years, Mm -hmm. and I just... Living with a significant other for the You've first time. You've been living time. with your fiance for twelve years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been together for like twelve years. What does her mother say about that? Uh, she's dead. Oh well, so, that she doesn't really sure. say very There's much. No in laws involved. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Inappropriate. Yet, yet funny. Amusing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never. I I would always sort of butt heads with uh, parents of girls I dated. Uh huh. So this is the first girl I've dated where both of her parents are deceased. Got yeah. arrest them. Uh huh. And so it's not an issue. That's great. Yeah. You don't bet butt heads very much with somebody who's. Like six feet of dirt between their heads yes, and yours. No, unless it's a dinosaur, because I'm a pale. <laughs> <laughs> and cheers to that, Tommy. <laughs> 
So, uh, so you get inspiration from from your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, Baltimore City is a place of, with many characters. Oh, Charm yeah. City, they call it. They also call it Mob Town. Mob because Why is that? back in um, this was one of the biggest cities during uh, the Civil War. As a matter of fact, uh, if you look at uh, by population. Uh, no, by importance, because this was the road into D.C. Right. The railroad went right they from here to D.C. They tried to assassinate Abraham Lincoln here. Mm-hmm. That was the mm-hmm. first attempt. Matter of fact, if you look at uh, Federal Hill, mm-hmm. which is another big drinking area over here. It's a neighborhood in yeah. South Baltimore. There is a all the cannons that are up there. They're not pointing into the harbor. They're pointing into the city. Uh-huh. Because Lincoln knew if they lost Baltimore, they would lose the Civil War. Huh. So the plan was that if shit went crazy, I'm sorry, can I? Uh, you can say okay. that. You can say <laughs> if shit went crazy, just blow it up. Uh-huh. And also, uh, we used really, to form- the cannons are from Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always thought that, like, with Fort McHenry being right down the road, well, which is think- where the Star Spangled Banner, it was like to protect the harbor from the British. Yeah, but if they lost it, this was their ace in the hole. They're like, well, screw this city. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Going to be like a gangs in New York, in Baltimore <laughs> business. All right, Abraham was a twisted guy. All right, and we also used to form mobs. We would form, like, there was one time there was a bank fiasco back, uh, way back when. This wasn't, like, gangs or, like... No, uh, it was like mobs of like unruly citizens uh-huh. would drag bankers out of their houses. Okay. Yeah. That's pretty intense. Yeah, I like Mob Town more than I do Charm City. All right. Mob cool. they don't really, They don't seem the most compatible. No, no. Right? It's like, I'm a charming mob. It's like, <laughs> we're going to lynch you, but, uh... We'll introduce ourselves. Yes, yeah, let's go in the morning. Before <laughs> lynching, would you like to be dragged out by your arms or your feet? Yeah, they give you an option. Yeah, so that's what America is all about. It's about choice. Mm-hmm. We eat crab cakes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but they're not going to be crabby when they're giving you the cake. No, no, no. They'll be they quite, may be corny. They'll be quite in this case, yes. but not crabby. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tommy, uh, mob town. So, tell me about these mob-like citizens. Uh, who have inspired you with comedic material? Well, I, I'm sure that you've heard of the Baltimore accent. Mm. There's mm-hmm. a Baltimore has a very and it's mostly it's not Baltimore. It's Baltimore. Baltimore going down the shore. Yeah. Going down the washing machine is yeah, going to help. Watch the edge. Go to Patterson Park. Sit on the stoop. Watch turn butchie change on his Camaro. We're we'll do all that. Yeah, going to go now. God, oh. <laughs> now I'm going to be stuck in. Keep that. doing it. No, well, it, 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 I can't. Uh, but we love it, Tommy. It makes Don't me sound stop. like an idiot. And then I can't stop because once I get started... When you're doing going and talking Baltimore yeah. accent, you want to watch the Oreo. When you get, you get going in there and then you're like, okay, I'm going to grab a beer from the bar. You can't get to anything. You can watch the O's, right? Yeah. And go down shore. Watch the yard birds. <laughs> no, but I grew up uh, southwest Baltimore City. Not that, that far like? from here. Uh, it was, was a rough area. Class, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a southwest. very rough. Is that like Sandtown? Uh, Pigtown. Pigtown. Uh, Pigtown, Cherry Hill, by uh, Carroll Park. Port. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so that's Around just that like so just southwest of Raven Stadium today. Uh, well, we were maybe another five miles away. Five Montgomery there. Park over there. Yeah, 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 yeah. All so right. uh, it was a rough neighborhood, a bit of a rough upbringing. Uh, went to Baltimore City Public Schools. You ever t- tap into any of that in your comedy? Yeah, a lot of that. You got to be. Usually, it's if I do a show in Baltimore. Is it like when I look back? On a certain incident, I either laugh or cry, so I'm going to make other people laugh at it. Is that the mentality? Uh, or am I putting so, No, so I don't really go... There's a little bit, a little bit of PTSD yeah. in some instances. Well, I don't know. Baltimore City Public Schools, tell me about it. Uh, it was a very rough... It was uh, mid-90s. This was just after... It was south. Uh, the name of the school was Southwestern. Uh, they had just 
got through a thing where they combined two schools. My first year uh -huh. at the school, there was a shooting. Right. Not someone shot, but we were outside. How old were you? Uh... Like, just high school? It's high school, so... Like 14. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had to take MTA buses, the mass transit buses, uh -huh. to go from the school to so home. So, I had a shooting in high school with the Beltway Sniper. Mm. And they oh, kept God. shooting people's heads around here, but that was like one guy, got rid of him. This is like a normal This thing. was a gang knew that uh, there was a student... They were after a guy that was at our school. Mm -hmm. When the students let out in the afternoon, we were getting onto our buses... And uh, when we got on the bus, there braga, 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 and people screaming and running. The bus driver was like, "Everybody, get down!" So you're pre-Columbine. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. This was yeah. you're like school shootings before school shooting shootings were involved. Yeah, but no one was shot. I think the guy okay. just shot into the air. In the air. Yeah, like cowboys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like an urban cowboy. Yeah, but there was uh, the bus driver was telling everybody get on the, the ground. ground. Yeah, okay. and uh, he was trying to get to the back door to close the back door. Uh -huh. And this one student sat stood up at the back of the bus. He was like, everybody, get the fuck up. Don't be little bitches. Get the fuck up. And the bus driver was like, these windows are not bulletproof. And the guy was like, everybody, you want to keep your head real low. <laughs> so, yeah. Jeez, that must have been scary. It was. It was. But it, uh, that... The year that I graduated in 1996, uh -huh. 13 teachers were assaulted that year. Oh, how so, lovely. Yeah. It builds character, doesn't it? Yes. It was a <laughs> well, at least defense, you know, it's like a sink or swim sort of situation. Yeah, yeah. You learn to keep your head down. Okay. Yeah. So, comparison, I guess, subdivisions make sense because <laughs> you know it's a lot more tame. Yeah. It kind of like, you've already got adventure out of the way yeah. in your childhood. Now, yes, now I want to settle down. I want to. I want to have a four hundred one k. Right. Yeah. Okay. All that. But okay. So now, so we're we're in Baltimore, and uh, now let's make some jokes. Okay. So what are we? <laughs> <laughs> We've been serious. Well, we did that. I'm weeping right now. This is, <laughs> these are hard hitting questions. Uh, and it's hilarious. Let me tell you. <laughs> in a leather jacket, you're sitting here. It's a freezing day. We're at the Brewers Art mm -hmm. in Mount Vernon, Central. Baltimore City yep. in a gentrified neighborhood. Yeah. And uh, where do you live now? Where do I live now? Yeah. I live in Ellicott City. All right. Just south of the city. Yeah. Just uh, a little west. Southwest. Yeah, west. West of the city. Yeah. Okay. Somewhere Out in the county. Baltimore County. Yeah, yeah. Down in the county. Down in county. I live over there now. <laughs> I moved on up outside Catonsville. So how do you develop these acts? Uh, you got to live it. Like, I, one of my newer bits, I just got back in May. We went to Jordan and performed for the troops. Uh, at this military base in the desert, mm. where there was no there was no permanent structures. Yeah, we, everything was just like sitting on a, like an air, airplane hangar in the middle of the desert. Okay, and I but I had never really traveled internationally before. Yeah, so I I, I wrote a whole new bit about uh, my dealings with the TSA. Yeah, because I wasn't aware there was a booth that they see you naked in. Yeah, they do that. Yeah, I did not know that. <laughs> and when, well, you like virtual reality? Uh... Yeah, well, I I don't want to be. In the VR part. <laughs> but my buddy was like, hey man, make sure you fluff your dick before you go into this booth. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because they're going to see your dick. And I'm like, oh. And like, you know. <laughs> well, there was a thing, and then there was some backlash. So they used to do like a 3D scan, but now it just shows you like uh, like a stick figure, and it shows you where there may be like metal or something, ah. like green color. Don't actually see the contours. So, are you body. telling me they I fluffed you. myself for nothing? Well, I'm for not sure for nothing. It might have given you pleasure. I'm going to town on myself in the airport. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what happens in the, in the desert there? 
Uh, we got out there. It, me, I'm not a small person. Uh, and my buddy Eric, who's about, describe yourself. I think this will be amusing. Uh, I'm about five ten. Okay. Me, I'm down to uh, two twenty five. Congratulations. Thank you. Because uh, we just got a puppy. So okay. Now I don't. Puppies sleep. are scared of larger. Uh, no, it, uh, we can't eat. We can't snack because the puppy will we'll want to eat. eat. The slack. Yeah, the, the puppy He'll wants steal to steal the snack. Yeah, from your from your hand. And then show show you got to take her out all the time. <laughs> you got to be constantly making sure she she loves eating shit. I don't know what like literal little shit. <laughs> That's a dog thing, you know. Well, really, I thought it was a German thing. <laughs> No, but she, and she doesn't even eat. She savors it. Like she'll have it around, just, uh, just rolls it around. Oh man! So wait, so you were out there to help the troops, right? This is public interest podcast. Why were yeah, you yeah. out there to help the troops? Did you have to take vacation from subdivision planning? I did, but I have I had a lot of vacation time saved up. Okay. So, but we go out there, and how did you even get involved in that? How did you get the idea? You're like, oh man, oh, I really what? wonder if the TSA sucks. How can I get a free trip? To the middle of some sand. Well, we do uh, we do these comedy murder mysteries. Okay. Uh, a, a couple local comic buddies of mine, uh, Rob Mayer, who's been on HBO and everything, and Joe Robinson on 98 Rock, local radio station, yeah. they started writing these murder mysteries. Okay. Joe Robinson went to a, see a murder mystery and was like, I could do better. Yeah. So he wrote a murder mystery and he got he, all the comics that he knew, he got us together and was like, let's try doing these murder mysteries. And now we have six different murder mysteries. We tore them up and down the East Coast. Um, and my buddy Rob has been to 20 different military bases before. And uh, got in touch with the guy that booked the entertainment for this Jordanian... Um, True. Yeah. Big and, mission. Uh, air, air, base. Okay, base. Yeah. <laughs> so... He, he got in touch with him, and uh, he pitched the idea to him about bringing our, a murder mystery comedy show there. Yeah. The guy was all on board. We went out there, uh, stayed in convex boxes. Like, the trailers were just these 10-foot by 10-foot boxes with uh, just bunk beds in them that we slept in. So you had kind of sympathy for the average homeless man in Baltimore. Oh, yeah. No, a homeless guy would be like, I'm not staying in that. <laughs> but it was my, my roommate was my buddy Eric Woodworth. Who's you a had comic. a roommate in your box? Yeah, and he, this guy's like 300 pounds. This guy was ginormous. You combined half ton of room. Uh, yeah, there was of like three inches of space between us. <laughs> well, when we first got to... You have to like lard yourselves up to squeeze past each other. <laughs> Out of the front door. Every time he farted, my mustache moved. <laughs> <laughs> we had a when we first stayed in Amman in uh, Jordan. We get there and we get it. We had already been on a plane for nine hours to France, and then another five, uh, five hour layover, a five hour flight. We're tired. It's another. It was a three hour trip from the airport to the hotel we were staying at before we went to the base the next day. Oh, my God. You want to have some energy to deliver yeah. a joke. So you want to be, like, falling over, falling asleep. We middle. get to our hotel room, and there's four of us going, and they broke it up into my buddy Rob and my buddy Sean. You had the opportunity for a hotel room, and you chose a box? Well, no, no, no. This was before we got to the base. Okay. So uh, we get to the hotel room, and Eric and I open the door, and there's a single queen bed in there. <laughs> And I was like, look, man, I'm fine with this. <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I don't care. So we slept together in the bed. All right. So, yeah. What did your concept have to say about that? Uh, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> so, all right. So supporting the troops, clearly trying to do a good thing. Uh, what do you think? I mean, how do you advance the public interest? It's always a question I ask here. How, how, how do you advance? How do you now or ever advanced public interest and of course you have an audience there mm -hmm. what are you imagining with this audience like why do they come to see you what are you trying to accomplish there well when you're when you're on a military base in the desert 
Uh, there's really not much else going on. Mm-hmm. I would have been very offended if during our comedy show a soldier would have left. <laughs> like, like eh, I'm going to go fight a scorpion. <laughs> but we've done, uh, we're, actually, matter of fact, uh, in a couple weeks, we're going for two weeks. Uh, we're going to hit four different countries doing nine different, um, and nine different shows. And this is for volunteering. No, I'm getting paid. Oh, right. Yeah, this isn't Peace Corps. Okay. Yeah, I'm not building bridges and helping people. Yeah. But, I, but, you know, we're going to uh, Kuwait, Bahrain, Djibouti, uh, and the Isle of Emirates. And uh, it's four different countries, nine different shows we're doing. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell me about a character in the murder mystery. Uh, well, the first murder mystery we did was called uh, Last Laugh. The premise is that the audience is at a comedy roast of a well-known comedian, and that uh, and the guy's a total d-bag. Uh, it's funny. <laughs> I've been saying shit and fuck, but I abbreviate it douche. Um, but so, and he dies right after he gets roasted. Well, thank God, I mean, he deserves it. Yeah, he dies, and then we have to solve the mystery. The, oh, the crowd has to solve the mystery yeah, of who you? killed him. And this one, no. This one, I only had like three lines. I was a heckler in the crowd. You were in the a first crowd one. heckler. Yeah. Have you ever had crowd hecklers while you've been on stage? Oh yeah, yeah. It comes with the like? terror. It's when how do you, you handle that? You go at them. You have to crush them. You have to. Give me an analogy or like a simile. You crush them as you would crush a a bug under your heel. No, you have. <laughs> you have to show the crowd that because if one person doesn't gets away with it, then, all. then everybody thinks now it's this you know this joint Take thing. Take hot shots at them. Yeah, but most of the time your hecklers are drunk. So what's a heckle that you did in this in this uh, dinner theater? Oh, in this one, I I was just booing the the guy. Yeah, just boo, you suck, I saw that joke on your special, like, that sort of thing. Okay, so somebody says that to you, you're standing on stage as the sole comedian, what do you do? Well, usually a heckle would be better than that. I'm surprised I don't have a better heckle. I think we you're, are. You're putting down your own heckle. I did for the very first time. <laughs> well, I had to go boo and then get him up to a point because apparently he has a heart attack while I'm heckling. Him. Okay. So it starts out with boo. You suck. You kind of cause the mur- like the death. Like does that create mean that you're the? Well, it makes me a suspect. Okay. Yeah. But then, uh, so then we start a, a back and forth and everything, and like a, you look like a poster child for Hep C, you know, stuff like that. Okay. Uh, I think, yeah, but I don't really get heckled much anymore, because you know now if you're doing it uh, if, at a comedy club, usually like bar shows, you'll get heckled a lot. Okay. Because the, those people, you know. So take somebody down, man. Boo! I saw that show already. Right now joke. Uh oh, there's. Do you know what? There's a British comic. Um, I can't remember the name of him, but he um, Eddie Izzard. Not Eddie Izzard. The other, the other one. Okay. <laughs> uh, what he had, someone, someone heckled him, and he said, "Do you want to?" Uh, and he pulled out one of those fortune tellers, those paper fortune tellers. Mm-hmm. So and he was prepared for this. He, yeah, yeah. He was like, "Oh, okay, all right." Reaches in his pocket, uh-huh. pulls out a paper fortune teller thing, uh-huh. and opens it. And says, "Do you want to come back?" And the guy's like, "Yeah." And he says, "Get it off your mother's teeth." <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> All right. So, so you're going through comedy. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And I did. I did eight years improv because I'd always wanted to be a comedian, but I was always scared of doing comedy. Really? Well, I was scared to do stand-up, where I write a joke 
and then tell it. Why were you scared? Because I didn't think what I, I didn't know how to write a joke. Did you know? Did people tell you that you were funny? Yes. But you just didn't know how to. I didn't know. It's different from being the funny guy. Because a lot of people go, oh, everyone says I'm funny. Well, how do you take that and put it on stage? Right. You have to be able to have something that you can uh, present to a crowd. You can't just go up and be the funny guy on the stage. Because usually you're funny in reaction to something yeah. other people are saying. But when you're on stage, yeah. it's just you. There's yeah, no one there's else. people that are conversationally funny. Right. You know. But then how do you make that uh, a sense? So I didn't, know, I didn't know what to do. How did you overcome that fear? Well, I started doing improv. Okay. And improv teaches you to find comfort in the uncomfortable. Uh-huh. And I did improv for eight years. Uh, well, I went to college with a comedian, Dorian Gray. Not, not same as the name of the book. And he actually works at a library. <laughs> Are you making this? No, up? no, I swear to God, Dorian Gray. So Oscar Wilde's Oscar <laughs> mental love child. Uh-huh. <laughs> he was there. His, somehow your friend's parents read Oscar Wilde like that. Is our kid? They were named Gray already. Yes, Mr. and Mrs. Gray. Yes, named their child Dorian. Like, Dorian. Yeah. Did they? I don't know if he. I'm gonna say that they knew. I'm gonna say that they <laughs> right. just stumble over it. Dorian Gray works in a library. Yeah. And I, so I'm going to college with Dorian. Okay. Dorian starts doing improv. Uh-huh. And at this time, Whose Line Is It Anyway is, is very popular. That was fun. And I was like, oh, man, that would be great. And he was like, you need to come do improv with me. Okay. So we joined an improv troupe together. Um, a few, two years in, he stopped to start doing stand-up. Yeah. And I stayed in it for like another six years. Uh-huh. And then when that ran its course, then he was like, okay, now it's time to come do stand-up. So he got me to go to my first open mic, and wow. you know I have my crappy jokes, and my knees were knocking the whole time. How'd it go? It went all right. You know, I'm not gonna say I knocked it out of the park, but I did well enough that I was like, I want to do this again. But you're not doing it professionally. No, no. When you're first starting out, you're not doing comedy. Do you aspire to do that professionally? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, everybody what wants to mean? do. I guess having an HBO spell, getting paid to do comedy. That's what. Which is what you're doing in the Middle East. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I always said I would never call myself a comedian until I was being paid to do comedy. You know, otherwise it's just a hobby. So, um, it, was, it wasn't that for two years, three years of doing open mics before I, I got paid 20 bucks to host. So, is it observational humor? Uh, at that point, yes. Yeah, but well, I. What are you doing now? What's your shtick? Well, now. The whole point of a comic, your whole first couple of years, you have to find your voice. What is your voice? My voice is, um, I'm an improv- improvisational storyteller, where I'll have a basic structure of how I know, how I want my, I want to hit this joke, I want to hit this joke, and I want to hit this joke. And a lot of these stories are based on your own experiences. Yes, most of these stories are Walk mostly true. Story. Okay. Uh, so... I was dating this girl one time, right? Which, um, and I saw her on a Friday night. And I was like, what are you doing this weekend? And she was like, I'm going to a sex toy party. Right? Which is cool because... Well, who doesn't go to sex toy parties on Friday night anyway? Yeah, on Saturdays. Yeah. Usually it's on Saturdays. Yeah, I guess. Do you, oh, do you know usually? Do I don't know. know. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, oh, you're a pro. Like, I'm a dildo salesman. <laughs> no, but she... Um, so I told her... I. I you, which we as got we don't have that. We you're never gonna get an invite to Peter's Puff Pastry Pocket Pussy Party. You know, just a bunch of guys standing around eating Tostina pizza rolls going, mm-hmm. put your dick in that thing. Like there's no 
There's no male equivalent. <laughs> so she goes to this party. Oh, and there's, uh, there's one time I live with my mom till I was 27. So <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> when I, the next time I saw her on the Sunday, I was like, so how was the sex toy party? And she was like, I don't want to talk about it. And I'm like, what the fuck happened at this sex toy party? And she was like, your mother was there. <laughs> I was like, my, my mommy? I was like, well, what did you do? She was like, I bought everything she told me to. <laughs> right? And does your mom know what you're into? No, my mother does not. No, no. You, and you don't want her to wager a guess. No. No. Because I'm sure she, has she ever found your stash? I don't even have a stash. <laughs> well, what a, what a <laughs> believable answer. <let's> see. <laughs> So, I was like, well, what did she make you get? She said she made me buy this stuff called penis butter. Right? Do you know what penis butter is? No. She, I didn't either. <laughs> she said, apparently it's this cream I'm supposed to put on you so that when I go down there, I don't gag. Yeah. And that's when I realized my mom really gets me. What was she listening outside my room one night? Like, like, oh, not my baby boy. Runs off to the kitchen to whip up a bat. <laughs> Stuff like that, like you know, it's a, it was a true story. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah, my mom did get my. I dated a girl who uh, went to a sex I like toy how party. It's past tense. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew it's not my fiance. I'm not oh, no, dating no, no, a girl. No, no. no I dated oh, a girl. My mom is retired. That would be way grosser. <laughs> then I, I guess I'm implying my mom was super hot when this <laughs> Wow, just keeps getting interesting. <laughs> What's in this drink? <laughs> oh man. What's the, Stuff like that. You take a story and then you pepper in an observate like the whole thing where guys we don't have we don't have a male equivalent to a sex toy party. No. You know, and then if we did, what would that entail? You know, that sort of thing. How do you feel when you're receiving however the audience is reacting to your jokes? If it's going well, it's one of the best feelings in the world. Describe that, that high. Well, when when you're usually going when you're on stage, you're not a lot I think a lot of comics will say this. You're not there telling your jokes. You are sitting, your consciousness is sitting up behind you, right? And your mouth is moving, jokes are coming out, and there's a part of you that is just observing the crowd. I go, okay, they laughed at this. Oh, I asked a question to the crowd. You quick scan the crowd while they're laughing or saying me, and you find the person that didn't laugh or didn't do and so you're like okay well there's something there and then you can do crowd work and you can dig into that and find out what their situation is why did they into the person yeah why did actually talk, dr- dr- oh yeah yeah you address them and go, well why why didn't you clap like I, I there's one thing where i say ask the crowd has anyone here ever been in a everyone here's clap if you've never been in a bad or clap if you've ever been in a bad relationship right and mo- 95% Everyone's of the crowd clap. is going to clap there will be some people that don't clap and those are the people that you're like, well, what's your story that you've never, you know, you're old enough to drink. Are you a virgin? Yeah. You know, <laughs> and usually they're just like people who are embarrassed or don't want to participate. Yeah. Or, or, and then you can make fun of that or, right. and, you know, make up some story about some relationship that they've had. Or you can you can go into uh, or sometimes they do have a story. You know, and then you can you but can how mind do you that story. Keep that in control. Like, how do you invite the crowd to participate, but not like because you have them take out. the light from you? Because when you're when you're asking that question, you're doing it as a setup to a joke that you already have. So it's like a magician fanning the cards, right? You're fanning the cards. Magician knows what card you're going to pick. He knows how the trick's going to end. But you're letting the crowd interact in a way that you can find new avenues and new tangents to get to your punchline. So how do your shows change over time? Or more importantly, how do you even keep 
an interest in your show, show after show. I'm, I'm imagining you're delivering very similar material in this show and that show. How do you keep your interest and avoid getting bored? Well, uh, usually most comics who have sets that they've done over and over again, they hate those jokes. They absolutely hate them. And the only way... To, to not hate those jokes is to do things like crowd work where you're bringing in new aspects and new ways to get to your punchline. Otherwise, you're just reciting the same thing over and over again. Which you, you can get into a rut and you just, you know, like I, I can do a 20-minute set and then I'm not even really thinking about it. Like I said, my brain is moving. You know, my mouth is moving. It's, it's pushing words to the brain. But then, you know, you have that, you're in that higher consciousness position where you're monitoring and saying, okay, well, this works. I'll pull into this. You're always thinking what the next joke's going to be. So is Tommy Cervazo the name on your passport? No, 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 no. My real name is Thomas Douglas Lear Jr. I was, uh, when I was 23, I fell off of a jungle gym and landed on a railroad tie. Right, and I lost my. Why spleen. the heck was there a jungle gym on a railroad? Oh, it's not so easy to explain. <laughs> I was at live action role play practice, and someone, <laughs> and someone, a your life is a comedic story. That settles all that. <laughs> no, but um, like, but we're with Lear. My last name Lear, L E H R. It's the German. It's the German spelling but a Ellis Island pronunciation right so people want to say Lair but it's Lear so my whole life people have been screwing up my last name right so then I'm 23 I'm at a LARPing practice we are a at a, a LARPing live action role play it's where you wear real armor and fight people with foam weapons yeah yeah I did that for like 11 years like Renaissance Festival uh, more like was this while you were living with your mother? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. How else could I afford such an extravagant lifestyle? <laughs> Do you still own that armor? Oh yeah, yeah. I built three suits of steel armor. Uh, You're a welder? No, no, no. It's all you cut it out of sheet metal. You get a piece of sheet metal, 18 gauge or 16 gauge. You can do 18-gauge stainless, 16-gauge cold-rolled steel. You have a pattern. You cut it out with a jigsaw. And then uh, you go to a stump with a ball-peen hammer, and you just start beating on it to get your... Uh, we do uh, Roman-style muscle cuirasses, where it looks like pecs and abs and everything on it. Dude, that's much easier than getting the pecs and abs yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 <laughs> much louder, too. You don't want to go join in any gym sweating or anything. Now it's... <laughs> so I'm there. The <laughs> we're there at the practice, and there's a jungle gym. Yeah. And my buddy Jose is running across the top of the jungle gym. Jose, the Roman legionnaire. Yes. Uh, his real his fighting name is Titus Vindictus. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your fighting name? Carthos Pestilus Nero. Wow, you didn't even remember that. It's like, I would assault you, Carto Manira Patira, but I can't even remember your name. <laughs> I guess I'll go find another action figure. <laughs> so we, he runs across the top of Jungle Gym, and he jumps like 12 feet and lands flat-footed, just boom. And then like, and he's like, ah, oh, my knees. And I was like, no, you're supposed to tuck and roll when you hit. Just like a Superman friend? No, he was just... That's just, a pretty amazing 12-foot jump. Jump 12 feet's nuts. On the grass, that's not All right, so go, all right. So 
I kept telling him, I was like, you got to crumble. Like, you have to hit the ground and crumble and roll into it. I got it. And he would, he would hit the ground, flat foot, and then drop to his knees, and then he'd be like, oh, it still hurts. And I was like, you're doing it wrong. And he was like, well, you do it. And I said, no, I'll hurt myself. And he said, how? I said, I'll run across there, I'll plant my foot on that bar, the bar will spin, and I will fall and hurt myself. Not very coordinated, are you? I'm very coordinated, but I knew what would happen. Okay. Because he was spinning the pole that he was jumping off of. Okay. Like, That's going to spin. And sure enough, I get up there, I run, the pole spins, I fall 12 feet down, and I landed on a railroad tie, and my rib cage compressed. That's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why was there a railroad tie underneath the, the jungle gym? The railroad tie, the wooden part, not like a, a metal railroad. Oh, oh, the wooden, the wooden tie. That's like the border. Yeah, it was just keeping the mulch in the playground. Okay. So, uh... My rib cage collapsed. Yeah, my rib no, my rib cage compressed, compressed. and it ruptured my spleen. Oh, so I lost my spleen when I was 23. They pulled it out. Okay. And uh, then I dated a Cuban girl some years later, who used to call me Tommy Simbasa, which is Spanish for Tommy without spleen. <laughs> so the very first night that I went and did uh, stand up, the guy screwed up my last name. He said Tommy Lur. So from then on, I was like, call me Tommy Simbasa. Wow. Now, how often when you're telling a joke do you have someone interrupting you as we're doing tonight? This is conversational. Okay. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Sin And does anyone ever think that you're... Do you get any funny reactions? People just assume that's your name, I guess. Oh, you'd be surprised how many people think it's a real last name. And they're like, that's what you don't look, you don't look Italian. And I'm like, oh, it's Spanish. They're like, you don't look Spanish either. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, we're, we're coming up on, on a half hour now of a public interest podcast. And so, I guess we'll, we'll wrap it up with a, a final two-part question. Okay. Asking about uh, kind of your motivations for doing comedy. Clearly, you enjoy it. Clearly, you're, you're willing to help make people's nights better, and, and then and what you hope your legacy will be. So, you know, I guess what are you? Why are you doing this? And what do you think is the impact of it? Or what do you hope is the impact? What do you hope people are feeling or thinking when they're leaving here? I do comedy because it's not about what I do, it's about who I am. Like I said, I've been, I wanted to be a comic since I was five years old. And I, I've watched comedy specials as a kid, and, just, and it's, it's more a part, comedy is more a part of me than, than anything else. Uh, my legacy, what I hope, what was the second part of the question? <laughs> But what you know when an audience member is walking out, what do you hope they're thinking or feeling? What are you hoping that they're? What do you? What are they thinking or feeling at the end of the, at the end of the show? I'm hoping that I'm hoping they enjoyed it. I'm hoping they were like, man, that guy was really funny. I'm hoping that they're like, ah, oh, I bet his name really is Simbaza. That's what I'm really hoping. No, but we do uh, comedy. I mean, I also I, I built I built armor. I was a leather worker. Uh, and uh, with CAD, you can make computers laser cut whatever you want out of leather and everything. Uh, I do. I also do a podcast. We get fifty thousand downloads uh, a, a week, where we just play Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, and now I get to see the world and entertain people doing comedy. So twenty seventeen's been pretty good to me. Been a good year. So that's Tommy Simbazo, Baltimore City improv comedian, who uh, advances the public interest by just putting smiles on people's faces. What I try to do. And that's enough. Cheers to that, buddy. Cheers to you. This has been another episode of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. 
I'll remind you to subscribe on publicinterestpodcast.com, iTunes, or your favorite podcast listening platform. And please join the conversation by calling 240-630-0380 or emailing engage at publicinterestpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.